Chapter Nine of Adeline Mowbray. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pam Moscato. Adeline Mowbray by Amelia Alderson Opie. Chapter Nine. At length they arrived at the place of their destination, and Sir Patrick, warmly embracing his bride, bade her welcome to her new abode and immediately approaching adeline he bestowed on her an embrace no less cordial or to say the truth so ardent seemed the welcome even to the innocent adeline that she vainly endeavoured to persuade herself that as her father-in-law sir patrick's tenderness was excusable spite of her efforts to be cheerful she was angry and suspicious and had an indistinct feeling of remote danger which though she could not define even to herself it was new and painful to her to experience but as the elastic mind of eighteen soon rebounds from the pressure of sorrow and forgets in present enjoyment the prospect of evil adeline gazed on the elegant apartment she was in with joyful surprise while through folding doors on either side of it she beheld a suite of rooms all furnished with a degree of tasteful simplicity such as she had never before beheld and through the windows which opened on a lawn that sloped to the banks of a rapid river she saw an amphitheatre of wooded hills which proved that how great soever had been the efforts of art to decorate their new habitation the hand of nature had done still more to embellish it and all fear of sir patrick was lost in gratitude for his having chosen such a retirement with eager curiosity adeline hurried from room to room admired in the western apartments the fine effect of the declining sun shining through rose-colored window curtains gazed with delight on the statues and pictures that everywhere met the eye and reposed with unsuspecting gaiety on the couches of elder down which were in profusion around everything in the house spoke it to be the temple of pleasure but the innocent adeline and her unobservant mother saw nothing but elegant convenience in an abode in which the disciples of epicurus might have delighted and while alien harps in the windows and perfumes of all kinds added to the enchantment of the scene the bride only beheld the choice of the villa a proof of her husband's desire of making her happy and adeline sighed for virtuous love and glenmurray as all that was wanting to complete her fascination sir patrick meanwhile was not blind to the impressions made on adeline by the beauty of the spot which he had chosen though he was far more suspecting the companion she had pictured to herself as most fitted to enjoy and embellish it and pleased because she was pleased and delighted to be regarded by her with such unusual looks of complacency he gave himself up to his natural vivacity and adeline passed a merry if not a happy evening with the bride and bridegroom but the next morning she arose with a painful conviction as fresh as ever on her mind that day would succeed to-day and yet she should not behold glenmurray and that day would succeed to-day and still she should see o'carroll still be exposed to his noisy mirth to his odious familiarities which though she taught herself to believe they proceeded merely from the customs of his country and the nearness of their relationship it was to her most painful to endure her only resource therefore from unpleasant thoughts was reading and she eagerly opened the cases of books in the library which were unlocked but on taking down some of the books 
she was disappointed to find none of the kind to which she had been accustomed mrs mowbray's peculiar taste had led her as we have before observed to perusal of nothing but political tracts systems of philosophy and scuderies and other romances scarcely had the works of our best poets found their way to her library and novels plays and works of a lighter kind she was never in the habit of reading herself and consequently had not put in the hands of her daughter adeline had therefore read rousseau's contract social but not his julie montesquieu's esprit des lois but not his letters personis and had glowed with republican ardor over the scenes of Volturi's brutus and had never had her pure mind polluted by the pages of his candida different had been the circumstances and consequently the practice of the owner of sir patrick's new abode of all rousseau's works he had in his library only the new heloise and his confessions of montesquieu none but the glowing letters above mentioned and while voltaire's chase and moral tragedies were excluded his profligate tales attracted the eye by the peculiar elegance of their binding while dangerous french novels of all descriptions met the view under the downy pillows of the inviting sofa around calculated to inflame the fancy and corrupt the morals but adeline unprepared by any reading of the kind to receive and relish the poison contained in them turned with disgust from pages so uncongenial to her feelings nor did her eye dwell delighted on any of the stores which the shelves contained till she opened the nouvelle eloise and as soon as she had read a few letters in that enchanting work she seated herself in the apartment but the moment before become disgusting to her and in a short time she forgot even glenmurray himself or rather she gave his form to the eloquent lover of julie but unfortunately the bride came in while her daughter was thus pleasantly engaged and on being informed that her studies were she peremptorily forbade her to read a book so pregnant with mischief and though she had not read it and consequently could not justly appreciate its character she was sure on the words of others that such reading was improper for her daughter in vain did adeline venture to say that julie like the works of glenmurray might be perhaps condemned by those who had never read a line of it the book was prohibited and adeline with a reluctant hand restored it to its place had she read it the sacrifice which the guilty but penitent julie makes to filial affection and the respectable light in which the institution of marriage is held up to view would have strengthened no doubt adeline's resolution to obey her mother and give up glenmurray and have led her to reconsider those opinions which taught her to think contemptible what ages and nations had been content to venerate but it was decreed that everything the mother of adeline did should accelerate the fate of her devoted daughter disappointed in her hopes of finding amusement in reading adeline had recourse to walking and none of the beautiful scenes around remained long unexplored by her in her rambles she but too frequently saw scenes of poverty and distress which ill contrasted with the beauty of the house which she inhabited scenes which even a small portion of the money expended there in useless decoration would have entirely alleviated and they were scenes too which adeline had been accustomed to relieve the extreme of poverty in the cottage did not disgrace on the mowbray's estate the well-furnished mansion-house 
but adeline as we have observed before was allowed to draw on her mother for money sufficient to prevent industrious labor from knowing the distresses of want and why should i not draw on her here for money for the same purposes cried adeline to herself as she beheld one spectacle of peculiar hardships surely my mother is not dependent on her husband and even if she were sir patrick has not a hard heart and will not refuse my prayer and therefore promising the sufferers instant relief she left them saying she should soon reach the pavilion and be back again while the objects of her bounty were silent with surprise at hearing that their relief was to come from the pavilion a place hitherto closed to the solicitations of poverty though ever open to the revels and the votaries of pleasure adeline found her mother alone and with a beating heart and a flushed cheek she described the scene which she had witnessed and begged to be restored to her old office of almoner on such occasions a sad scene indeed my dear adeline replied the bride in evident embarrassment and i will speak to sir patrick about it speak to sir patrick madam cannot you follow the impulse of humanity without consulting him i can't give the relief you ask without his assistance replied her mother for except a guinea or so i have no loose cash about me for my own uses sir patrick's benevolence has long ago emptied his purses and i gladly surrendered mine to him and shall you in future have no money for the purposes of charity but that you must claim from sir patrick asked adeline mournfully oh dear yes i have a very handsome allowance settled on me but then at present he wants it himself adeline involuntarily clasped her hands together in an agony and sighed deeply but however child added the bride as you seem to make such a point of it take this guinea to the cottage you mention an attendant adeline took the guinea but it was very insufficient to pay for medical attendance to discharge the rent due to a clamorous landlord and to purchase several things necessary for the relief of the poor sufferers therefore she added another guinea to it and not liking to relate her disappointment sent the money to them desiring the servant to say that she would see them the next morning when she resolved to apply to sir patrick for the relief which her mother could not give feeling at the same time the mournful conviction that she herself as well as her mother would be in future dependent on his bounty though disposed to give way to mournful reflections on her own account adeline roused herself from the melancholy abstraction into which she was falling by reflecting that she had still to plead the cause of the poor cottagers with sir patrick and hearing he was in the house she hastened to prefer her petition sir patrick listened to her tone of voice and gazed on her expressive countenance with delight but when she had concluded her narration a solitary half-guinea was all he bestowed on her saying i am never roused to charity by the descriptions of others i must always see the distress which i am solicited to relieve then go with me to the cottage exclaimed adeline but to her great mortification he only smiled bowed and disappeared and when he returned to supper adeline could scarcely prevail on herself to look at him without displeasure and could not endure the unfeeling vivacity of his manner mortified and unhappy she next morning went to the cottage reluctant to impart to its expecting inhabitants the ill success which she had experienced but what was her surprise when they came out joyfully to meet her and told her that a gentleman had been there that morning very early and discharged their debts and given them a sum of money for their future wants 
his name his name eagerly inquired adeline but that they said he refused to give and he was in a horseman's large coat and held a handkerchief to his face they were sure they should not know him again a pleasing suspicion immediately came across adeline's mind that this benevolent unknown might be glenmurray and the idea that he was perhaps unseen hovering round her gave her one of the most exquisite feelings which she had ever known but this agreeable delusion was soon dissipated by one of the children's giving her a card which the kind stranger had dropped from his pocket and this card had on it sir patrick o'carroll at first it was natural for her to be hurt and disappointed at finding that her hopes concerning glenmurray had no foundation in truth but her benevolence and indeed regard for her mother's happiness as well as her own led her to rejoice in this unexpected proof of excellence in sir patrick he had evidently proved that he loved to do good by stealth and had withdrawn himself even from her thanks in a moment therefore she banished from her mind every trace of his unworthiness she had done him injustice and she sought refuge from the remorse which this consciousness inflicted on her by going into the opposite extreme from that hour indeed her compliance to his opinions and her attentions to him were so unremitting and evident that sir patrick's passion became stronger than ever and his hopes of a return to it seemed to be built on a very strong foundation adeline had given all her former suspicions to the wind daily instances of his benevolence came to her knowledge and threw such a charm over all he said and did that even the familiarity in his conduct look and manners toward her appeared to her now nothing more than the result of the free manners of his countrymen and she sometimes could not help wishing sir patrick to be known to and intimate with glenmurray but the moment was now at hand that was to unveil the real character of sir patrick and determine the destiny of adeline one day sir patrick proposed taking his bride to see a beautiful ferme ornay at about twelve miles distance and if it answered the expectations which he had formed of it they were determined to spend two or three days in the neighborhood to enjoy the beauty of the grounds in that case he was to return in the evening to the pavilion and drive adeline over the next morning to partake in their pleasure to this scheme both the ladies gladly consented as it was impossible for them to suspect the villainous design which it was intended to aid the truth was that sir patrick having as he fondly imagined gained adeline's affections resolved to defer no longer the profligate attempt which he had long meditated and had contrived this excursion in order to ensure his wife's absence from home and a tete-a-tete with her daughter not doubting but that opportunity was alone wanting to enable him to succeed in his abandoned wishes at an early hour the curricle was at the door and sir patrick having handed his lady in took leave of adeline he told her that he should probably return early in the evening pressed her hand more tenderly than usual and springing into the carriage drove off with a countenance animated with expected triumph adeline immediately set out on a long walk to the adjoining villages visited the cottage near the pavilion and having dined at an early hour determined to pass the rest of the day in reading provided it was possible for her to find any book in the house proper for her perusal with this intention she repaired to an apartment called the library but in these times would be denominated a boudoir and this even in paris would have been admired for its voluptuous elegance on the table 
lay several costly volumes which seemed to have been very lately perused by sir patrick as some of them were open some turned down at particular passages but as soon as she glanced her eye over their contents adeline indignantly threw them down again and while her cheek glowed with the blush of offended modesty she threw herself on a sofa and fell into a long and mournful reverie on the misery which awaited her mother in consequence of her having madly dared to unite herself for life to a young libertine who could delight in no other reading but what was offensive to good morals and to delicacy nor could she dwell upon the subject without recurring to her former fears for herself and so lost was she in agonizing reflections and it was some time before she recollected herself sufficiently to remember that she was guilty of an indecorum in staying so long in an apartment which contained books that she ought not even to be suspected of having had an opportunity to peruse having once entertained this consciousness adeline hastily rose and had just reached the door when sir patrick himself appeared at it she started back in terror when she beheld him on observing in his countenance and manner evident marks not only of determined profligacy but of intoxication her suspicions were indeed just bold as he was in inequity he dared not in a cool and sober moment put his guilty purpose in execution and he shrunk with temporary horror from an attempt on the honor of the daughter of his wife though he believed that she would be a willing victim he had therefore stopped on the road to fortify his courage with wine and luckily for adeline he had taken more than he was aware of for one after a vehement declaration of the ardour of his passion and protestations that she should at that moment be his he dared irreverently to approach her adeline strong in innocence aware of his intention and presuming on his situation disengaged herself from his grasp with ease and pushing him with violence from her he fell with such force against the brass edge of one of the sofas that stunned and wounded by the fall he lay bleeding on the ground adeline involuntarily was hastening to his assistance but recollecting how mischievous to her such an exertion of humanity might be she contented herself with ringing the bell violently to call the servants to his aid then in almost frantic haste she rushed out of the house ran across the park and when she recovered her emotions she found herself she scarcely knew how sitting on a turf seat by the roadside great god what will become of me she wildly exclaimed my mother's roof is no longer a protection to me i cannot absent myself from it without alleging a reason for my conduct which will ruin her peace of mind for ever wretch that i am whither can i go and where can i seek for refuge at this moment as she looked around in wild dismay and raised her streaming eyes to heaven she saw a man's face peeping from between the branches of a tree opposite to her and observed that he was gazing on her intently alarmed and fluttered she instantly started from her seat and was hastening away when the man suddenly dropped from his hiding-place and running after her called her by her name and conjured her to stop while with an emotion of surprise and delight she recognized in him arthur the servant of glenmurray instantly scarcely knowing what she did she pressed the astonished arthur's rough hand in hers and by this action confused and confounded the poor fellow so much that the speech which he was going to make faltered on his tongue oh where is your master eagerly inquired adeline my master have sent you this miss replied arthur holding out a letter which adeline joyfully received 
and spite of her intended obedience to her mother's will glenmurray himself could not have met with a less favorable reception for the moment was a most proprietous one to his love nor as it happened was glenmurray too far off to profit by it on his way from bath he went a few miles out of his road in order as he said and perhaps as he thought to pay a visit to an old servant of his mother's who was married to a respectable farmer but fortunately the farm commanded a view of the pavilion and glenmurray could from his window gaze on the house that contained the woman of his affections but to return to adeline who while hastily tearing open the letter asked arthur where his master was and heard with indescribable emotion that he was in the neighborhood here so providentially she exclaimed and proceeded to read the letter but her emotion forbade her to read it entirely she only saw that it contained bank-notes that glenmurray was going abroad for his health and in case he should die there had sent her the money which he had meant to leave her in his will lest she should be in the meanwhile any way dependent on sir patrick numberless conflicting emotions took possession of adeline's heart while this new proof of her lover's attentive tenderness met her view and as she contrasted his generous and delicate attachment with the licentious passion of her mother's libertine husband a burst of uncontrollable affection for glenmurray agitated her bosom and rendered superstitious by her fears she looked on him as sent by providence to save her from the dangers of her home this is the second time she cried that glenmurray as my guardian angel has appeared at the moment when i was exposed to danger from the same guilty quarter ha surely there is more than accident in this and he is ordained to be my guide and my protector when once a woman has associated with an amiable man the idea of protection he can never again be indifferent to her and when the protector happens to be the chosen object of her love his power becomes fixed on a basis never to be shaken it is enough said adeline in a faltering voice pressing the letter to her lips and bursting into tears of grateful tenderness as she spoke leave me to your master directly bless my heart will you see him then miss cried arthur see him replied adeline see the only friend i can now boast but let us be gone this moment lest i should be seen and pursued instantly guided by arthur adeline set off full speed for the farmhouse nor stopped till she found herself in the presence of glenmurray oh i am safe now exclaimed adeline throwing herself into his arms while he was so overcome with surprise and joy that he could not speak the welcome which his heart gave her and adeline happy to behold him again was as silent as her lover at length glenmurray exclaimed do we then meet again adeline yes replied she and we meet to part no more do not mock me cried glenmurray starting from his seat and seizing her extended hand my feelings must not be trifled with nor am i a woman to trifle with them glenmurray i come to you for safety and protection i come to seek shelter in your arms for misery and dishonor you are ill you are going into a foreign country and from this moment look on me as your nurse your companion your home shall be my home your country my country glenmurray too much agitated too happy to speak could only press the agitated girl to his bosom and fold his arms around her as if to assure her of the protection which she claimed but there is not a moment to be lost cried adeline i may be missed and pursued let us be gone directly the first word was enough for glenmurray eager to secure the recovered treasure which he had thought forever lost his orders were given and executed by the faithful arthur 
with the utmost dispatch and even before adeline had explained to him the cause of her resolution to elope with him they were on their road to cornwall meaning to embark at falmouth for lisbon but arthur who was going to marry and leave glenmurray's service received orders to stay at the farm till he had learnt how sir patrick was and having obtained the necessary information he was to send it to glenmurray at falmouth the next morning he saw sir patrick himself driving full speed past the farm and having written immediately to his master adeline had the satisfaction of knowing that she had not purchased her own safety by the sufferings or danger of her persecutor and the consequent misery of her mother End of chapter nine recording by pam moscato